What are you doing? Nothing. Hey, guess what? What? We're live. Woohoo! There's corn. <laughs> well, here he is. Speak of the devil. Here's Corin right here. How's that, guys? Nothing if not late. <laughs> Last week's glass. That's all right. Put that one over there. Hey. Good evening, Doug. Yes, I have to come into the study during the week and clear out the old glassware because I open up the cupboard to get out some wine glasses and they don't seem to be where they should be because they're in here in the study. Cheers, everyone. Where they should be. Cheers, guys. Where they should be. Cheers, that's guys. it. Chad, right. what are you drinking? So I never even got the audio, uh, audio drinking... sorted out. I've just been running around trying to get it to go to the recorder, which now it is. So there we go. Say some. Keep talking, Kevin. I'll get the levels somewhere near right. The levels should be near right because I'm drinking Shiraz tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your poetry gives me a fright. How's that? <laughs> and your rhyming abilities are out of sight. Uh, I must admit they are quite tight. <laughs> uh, well. Yeah, maybe we should take Stephen Eads' uh, advice. Go hard or go home. Perhaps we should just go home. Yeah. Let's do the shortest. Let's this do episode. the Let's do the world's shortest podcast. Two minutes in. Thanks everyone for listening tonight. It's been a pleasure having your company. Tune in next week where we'll give you more insightful information, uh, some rhyming, poetry at its best. Uh, and and Jamie, do you mean auditory audio is up to standard or what? <clears throat> Bad poetry this early. You better believe it, Mr. Kittle. So anyway, what have you boys been up to since last time we met? Well, I've been teaching classes, trying to make some knives. I've had a bit of an influx of midweek one-on-one classes, which are really quite enjoyable, actually. Very slow-paced. We get to do a lot more in the one-on-one than we would otherwise. That's Sam Erskine, who's a maker from the Tumut area. He came down and did a one-on-one course with me. And then I had a young fellow that's been here before. And we did a stainless full-tang hunting knife course with him, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, I had a really relaxed day. I actually didn't do a lot. And it was a pretty cold day here. So I snugged up in home and watched a bit of telly. And then, yeah, today and tomorrow, I've got another fellow here. And we're doing a we're doing a class making a big ass cleaver and a long brisket knife. So that's that's my week so far, and uh, probably not as exciting or as productive as you, Matt. We've seen a couple of meteorite-shaped objects floating in your hand in pictures on the internet. Yeah, that that was last week. That was last week. I mean, some. 
woods last week. Actually, I tried to make in woods today and I fucking failed miserably. Excuse my language. This is going to be not suitable for general audience and cover your ears. You're about to swear. <laughs> so today I'm trying to make my woods and I'm using my shop bag for my blower. And I'm putting like a bunch of fucking charcoal in it. Like I, I burned 30 kilos. Halfway through, I smell something burnt. Now you're going to say, no shit, you're burning charcoal. What do you expect? But no, that was a that was a different kind of sm- smell. Like this, this is like, I think your shop is on fire kind of smell. I'm like, no, 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 it can't be. I'm looking at the shop. Everything is intact. I'm checking my undies. Nothing is fucking on fire. I'm like, yeah, she be right, mate. I'm just going like, yeah, chucking charcoal on the woods and yeah. Dickhead, dickhead, dickhead mode activated. Like, she be right, Mike. Just chop charcoal. Then I start, like, I got my headset on and I'm listening to podcasts and all that. But all of a sudden, through my, even over my headset, I can hear my shop vac is not working right. My shop vac is making like noises and the shop is filling, my, my shed is filling up with the smoke. And all of a sudden, I realized bottom of my shop back is dripping. It's fucking melted, and it's dripping. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, <laughs> I, I wish I wish that was the whole story. <laughs> so I'm looking at my shop back. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> no, 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 that's not it. So my shop back, the bottom of my shop back, is like blue plastic, and it's dripping. And it's it sounds crazy, like it's going crazy. I'm like, okay, that's not good. Let me just turn it off. Let me just turn it off. And I'm looking at the cables. All the fucking cables are tangled because my power supply issue is shit. And the back of you know, like when you put the shop back, it's programmed like the the hole that goes through. It's sucking all the d- dirt and debris. But if you put in the second hole, it just blows air. And the the other hole. There's fire blowing out. That's a bad signal. If if your shop back looks like a fucking dragon, that's bad. That's really bad. So you heard it here first, I'm, guys. I'm thinking, you heard it here first. Yeah, I'm thinking that's, that's that's pretty good advice to give to people. If yeah, your I'm shop thinking, back looks like a dragon, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> I'm thinking like, am I gonna be like John Snow with and like trying to touch it and? my dragon that's called shop back or am i gonna like unplug it i'm trying to unplug it i'm unplugging like the fucking fan i'm unplugging the disc grinder i don't know where the fucking thing is and i'm thinking it's on fire how do you put fire down you just put water on it don't do it that's really fucking bad that's really fucking bad you didn't do it did you but i didn't I didn't. I was so fucking proud of myself. I was so fucking proud of myself. <laughs> you didn't throw it in the pool instead, did you? <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I unpl- I found the cable. I unplugged it. I opened the top up and I o- opened the thing and there's like smoke and it caught flames because apparently it was probably too hot. And anyway, so yeah, I I, I got the hose and I start had the shop back on suck not blow. Mine was on a blower cycle, okay? Anyway, so my shop bag fucking melted and I tried to 
keep going my votes with the hair dryer and didn't go well. So yeah, I burned 30 kilos of fucking charcoal. I have a bunch of fucking shit piece of steel stuck together. My forearms, my head is full of fucking burns. You can't see can it I, because it's shiny. Can I just interrupt for a second, Matt? Yeah. Why do you need a hair dryer? For few years. Okay. Okay, let's just let's just get it out of the way. Let's just get it out of the way and be done with it. Fuck you, Kev. <laughs> I bought a hair dryer so I can stop my barbecue. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I just use a match. But what if it works? Yeah, I just... <laughs> I just use the fire lighter. Okay, uh, I don't want to. Okay, I don't want to say that word, but using matches to light the barbecue is so lame. This is how I light my barbecue. I use map gas torch and I use hair dryer. I'm talking about like charcoal barbecue. You can't put a match and you can't fucking blow it like. <laughs> but you can put the fucking map gas and put the fucking hair dryer in the face and. You can get like an inferno in like no second. So I'm the type two guy. Anyway, regardless to say my wood smell didn't go well. And I burned 30 kilos of fucking charcoal along with my hands and all that shit. And yeah, I got nothing. What is that? What is that? What, what are you showing? Corin's showing us his Damasteel. Fire barbecue lighter. Bong lighter. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's showing his medicinal Damasteel bulb lighter. <laughs> now he's burning down his workshop. <laughs> Quick, get the shop back. That'll fix it. <laughs> oh, dear. Look at him go. He loves it. I light my forge with my LPG path weeder sorry the butane path weeder yeah that's the guy yeah that's how that's how i light my forge well, i don't I use a piece of paper it. don't use matches don't use a map gas what's wrong with this like just fucking light it watch out where's your vacuum <laughs> now you're gonna burn your iphone i just burnt my computer no. I got ash and burnt paper all over. I've got the S key now looks more like a munted Q. Anyway, Colin, do you do you guys sell shop back? Uh yeah, we did for a little while. Oh, yeah, I did. Like maybe did maybe like sponsorship deal. Oi! <laughs> <laughs> well, dickhead how, discount. <laughs> how about we get onto L'Oreal and see if they'll sponsor us for hair dryers? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, I could use it. Look at my look. Look at my COVID hairdo. So, and COVID's not even an issue. You know what you can use? You can use a manscape. Not that they sponsor. Not that they're sponsored, but you can just use like the man trimmer, the bush bush trimmer or whatever the fuck is called, and just like go straight. Yeah. I use that for me nose hairs. My whiskey's gonna take even taste even smokier now. I got ash all through it. Yeah, Petey Scotch. That's what you want. Owen, Ward, Owen Ward's a, a good uh, 
advocate for the Petey Scotch. He loves it. Yeah. Hey, so you had some you had some success with Woots, and then you had an incredible failure. <laughs> Clusterfuck. <laughs> that I wish I was there because that would have been fun to see, honestly. But then again, if I was there, I'm pretty sure that there would have been water in your vacuum cleaner. That would have been the. Well, I, I was hopping and jumping, and even Kaya was like, "Do you know anything about OHS?" I think that's what he said. My dog Kaya looked at me. He was like, "Do you know anything about fucking OHS?" Who's your mm -hmm. OHS representative in the shop, mm -hmm. Mert? Um, uh, it's me. Yeah, it's me. Ah, <laughs> that that might be where you let yourself down, son. Yeah. So where are you at, I've Kev? What same... have you been up to, buddy? Oh, I went through what I've been up to already, mate. You were you were away restarting your computer and fiddling around with sound devices and whatnot. I've just been teaching. I'm teaching a lot at the moment, which is good, and enjoying it, which is good. Next Monday, I might not be saying the same thing. I'm running a class next Monday. I reckon I'm in for probably the hardest class of my life, uh, Monday and Tuesday. Matt Snape's coming down. <laughs> he's one of our listeners. <laughs> and uh, he, he seems to think that he's uh, going to be making a knife in four hours with me. I think he needs another 16 hours on top of that to get his shit together. <laughs> nah, uh, no, should be good. What have you been up to? You've uh, been holidaying. Yeah, yeah, it's um, school holidays, so we took the kids for three days down to uh, a place called Bendalong where the fires were. Uh, well, mm. one of the many places where the fires were down just north of Lake Conjola. And um, yeah, look, mate, just uh, devastation where the, the fires come all the way to the ocean. And back down there, that's where they were sort of huddled on the beaches. Um, but it's pretty cool. We hand fed a stingray and, um, you know, we spent a fair bit of money down there, just, you know, the local shops and whatever else, trying to give them a bit of winter support because, you know, they miss Christmas. Um, and then they missed Easter with COVID. So they haven't had a good run this year for, um, you know, holiday parks. So we stayed just down at the caravan park and, um, yeah, went kayaking with the kids, went fishing, lost Catch my... Anything? No, I, well, it kind of. I, I lost my 1984 Mitchell Trigger Drag 5540 off the edge of the kayak, which is a reel, fishing reel. And um, it, uh, uh, I, I thought, oh, if that's it. I've lost it, you know, a little bit of, uh, bit of history. But um, I found the hook stuck to my kayak and pulled up the reel and the rod again. I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> Bullshit. And then <laughs> last night, here she is here, trigger drag. Nice. 1984. Yes. Look at this. Fucking, there's your drag. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's mad. It's a mad reel. Um, and then I was putting it back together right last night after cleaning it all out, getting all the soul out of it because it had been underwater for about 10 minutes. And um, I lost one of the cover screws. I laid everything out on a white sheet, you know, as I pulled it apart. As I put it all back together, I'd lost one of the cover screws. And um, I spent the next four hours moving everything out from under all my benches, gently sweeping and cleaning and trying to figure out what had happened to find it. Four hours later, had fallen into my little watch pocket there at the front. 
I was going to say, why don't you make one out of Demon Steel? Well, probably should, mate. Yeah. Probably should. Because you can. Because yeah. I can. But four hours, like you, you'll be done with that shit, like in one. Well, hour. I got onto eBay and they're two dollars twenty US to buy a new, brand new, old stock, nineteen eighty four real cover screw. Two dollars twenty would have been thirty dollars landed in Australia with postage. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, Nah, I'm fucking looking. But anyway, I found yeah. it in my pocket. So there you go. So you didn't catch fish, but you lost your reel and recouped your reel because it was hooked to your kayak. Mm. It's a That's riveting good. story, isn't it? But yes, as Wade yeah. Robinson says, it was a bloody save. And I got there in the end. So yeah. There you go. I'd, have, I'd have gone overboard if I'd lost a history like that. But it was I'd like... Have, I'd have got bailed to try and get it out of the ocean. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's cold. <laughs> I could buy another one for 120 bucks or something on eBay. <laughs> or 30 for a screw, yeah. Yeah, or 30 for a screw. 30 for a screw. Yes. Screw it. Cheap. Now we've gone live. A lot of the jokes seem that we like might have edited out. They're just... I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of changed it a bit, I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it was, pretty sad. It was under the bungee cord on the deck. It was kind of sort of, it wasn't tied on. No, am I kidding? Anyway, I saved, it saved. The hook got caught. I pulled it back up. Happy days. Never mind. Sweet. Mm. But that the was The only own. thing that would have made that story better is if you hooked onto a fucking marlin and got towed like 18 nautical miles out to sea but still landed the marlin. I swear to fuck, I swish, I fished for three hours with one prawn, mate. There was literally nothing there. Wow. Yeah, it was fucking hopeless. But anyway, whatever. But as Rob Fraser said, I got my shop clean. I cleaned everything out under all the benches again. Not that it's ever that dirty, but yeah. You probably could have put a filter of some sort over the top of your shop back and vacuumed it and found it. That's a sore issue. Don't fucking bring the shop back. That's a sore issue, you motherfucker. <laughs> Didn't we do that? Oh, you weren't here. That was me and Jamie. I pulled out... I, when I when I lose stuff normally under the benches, I, I pull out the... Um, I pull out the dust bag from the shop vac <sighs> and just put the... just put the cover over the inner part and just vacuum it up into the pin, into the pan and then you can find what you're looking for. That was Jamie. He lost a bit under one of my benches. Do you put a bag in your shop vac? Oh, normally. It's cleaner. Nah, just I'll just go straight no, into it. No, you don't want to blow dust all I've, over your I've, workshop, dude. That's fucking criminal. I've got a shop vac. I've got a shop vac that's got the same filter that was in it when I bought it. And I'll just take it outside and bash it when the wind's blowing towards the neighbours. And I get the air compressor out and spray it and chuck it back in. And there's no there's no bags. I've never had a bag in it. Put a bag in it. You'll love you. It'll yeah. change your life. And your your neighbours. Your neighbors are probably trying to shoot the company they got the fucking carpet from or something because they got they got carbon fiber cancer or some shit. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Jamie Bishop says the stingrays keep the bay pretty clean. And you know in Monkey Mire in Western Australia, people feed the dolphins? You know how they get down on the beach and feed the dolphins in Western Australia? You ever seen that? Okay, yeah, well, well, they, well, they do, right? Over here mm -hmm. at, at Bendalong... The kids are all in the water and they're feeding something. And I'm like, oh, there's a dolphin. No, there's a fucking stingray. It'd be two meters across the shoulders. 
He's come right up to the beach and they're all handed in pilchards. You've never seen anything like it. Wow. Yeah. This is, I'm sure it was did the one pu- that killed did you Steve. Punch him? No, well, I jumped on him because you know he was the one that killed Steve Irwin, and we haven't Stuck let that go. Up yeah, I was going to say, yeah. "Fuck, this is for Steve, you fucking dickhead." <laughs> I will just skin the motherfucker alive and turn into a sheathing ray skin into a... yeah. I this is think... for me, mate. I, this is. For... <laughs> I think he'd get lynched down there just quietly. They do love their stingrays, so yeah. Okay. There you go. You guys get your your podcast shirts. Yes, I've been wearing yes. them with pride. They're uh, they're very good. I have to say, I'm sorry everyone else, but man, those hoodies are good. <laughs> I don't those know. hoodies are awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna do a run. I'm gonna do oh, the next oh, one. Will be sure. hoodies. Uh, the next one will uh, be hoodies. Yeah, um, yeah. We were we were just doing a trial run of hoodies to test the fit and finish, and they're, they're pretty good. Yeah, and just in time for summer, we might get some. Yeah, perfect summer evening wear. If you need to be protected from your dragon back blowing hot air at you, cover up. Wade Wade Robinson says in Western Australia, in Hamilton Bay, you can hand feed some massive stingrays, but you can do it here down at Bendalong, and I don't have to go to Western Australia. And I guess the border's probably closed anyway. So you can't even go to Western Australia. That's that's a fable. That's a fable. There's no such thing as Western Australia. Doesn't exist. You can't even buy a raffle ticket in Western Australia because they don't exist. There you go. Some Facebook yeah, user's so girlfriend got you guys want, Do you guys want? Do you guys want to talk about the raffle? Yeah, I want oh, to. Don't talk about that. it before I buy don't tickets. Don't talk about the raffle. None of you want to know. About, I want to buy don't follow. Because last raffle sold out in like 12 hours. The next one's coming out and you don't want what to know about it. What raffle is that, man? Yeah, we're live. The people, people listening live can know about the raffle. they got to know about the raffle. They have to be on tomorrow when it, when it's, when it goes live. And the prize is a fully... Spec'd up, freaking awesome digital mill. Yeah. HM46 geared head mill is first Beautiful. prize. Yeah, it's it's freaking awesome. With DRO. And so, Knife Art Association DRO. members can buy tickets because it's being held by a third party on our behalf. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're looking at first, second, and third prize winners. I mean, oops. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's all, it's all legitimate. <laughs> Corey Cunningham says yeah. he's already bought a ticket. I didn't know he'd gone live with it. That was supposed to happen. Yeah, no, they went up. Is it going they went up? up. Okay, there's, there's no raffle. Stop talking about it. I haven't bought tickets yet. Stop talking about it. There's no raffle. Move on, move on. No, there is. Nothing and to see it's here. It's got a second prize in the raffle is a uh, 84 engineering disc grinder with VFD. Yes. Mm-hmm. And third prize is a band, a metal bandsaw, portable metal bandsaw, mm. which you can then go by your table to have it in an upright position. I forget who's selling those at the moment. Someone around selling those. Um, and you can get your vertical portable bandsaw and set it up in a vertical position. And I currently use that setup, and I have to say it's very good. And I would be happy to win any of the great prizes that the Knife Art Association raffle has currently got on offer. Okay. And don't forget, guys, that all of the proceeds, 
all of the proceeds go towards the Knife Art Association and keeping that baby afloat so we can run knife shows after this shit's all over and we can do it again. So yeah. this is what it's all when about. This shit ends, when this shit ends, we will be smashing the knife show scene with some freaking awesome knife shows. We want to see the biggest knife shows that we've ever had because everyone's got to be champing at the bit to get to a knife show. I've actually had to start slowing down on my, my making of the knives because I went into my study the other day. It's like a fucking Japanese knife shop in there. There's that many knives around because we haven't had knife shows. And I'm pretty slack updating my website. So, uh, yeah. Anyone need a knife? I've got plenty around. Go on good COVID sale. <laughs> you want a knife? You want a knife? Anyone want to buy a knife? You want to buy a knife? Anyone want a knife? So, now, the bad news is if you live in Western Australia, you guys have some funny laws that um, date back to before the internet and they don't allow us to run online raffles for our not-for-profit association. That, and I don't think they overly want to support a knife art association. So our approval, um, our applications for Western Australia have basically been totally banned and we can't run raffles there. Um, Dave Grove asked if it's only open to Australian residents and yes, the answer is probably yes, Dave. Um, and we wouldn't we wouldn't suggest July on on that um, on the raffle ticket purchasing site and like put Gamaco's address just in case you win and we can sort you out. <clears throat> yeah, I mean if you send me a message, I'll give you my address and I'll gladly look after the prizes for you. Make sure they work well. Make sure they're given a good life. Well, we're going to win them anyway. So how do you become a KAA member? You don't have to be, um, become a KAA member to support the KAA. Best thing to do is um, support the events and the shows. However, if you have some particular skills that are really good for running events, I'm not talking about being a great knife maker. I'm talking about good skills in marketing, having contacts in television, um, uh, having the will to absolutely work your ass off to make shit happen, then the Knife Art Association's for you. Uh, the rules are pretty simple. You have to agree to uh, to work for the industry for free. Um, you have to uh, understand that the Knife Art Association never gives you anything in return. And you also have to agree to pay $50 a year for the privilege of being a member. And if you agree to those things, um, yeah, just let us know how good you are at what you can do. IT, websites, anything useful to the Knife Art Association. And, um, uh, and that's pretty much all you have to do. Yeah, we don't want to know if you can make a good knife. Couldn't Not interested. Less. We want to know. We want to know if you can assist in supporting the industry in some way that matters. Whether it's like I said, you're you're a very good people person and you can stand at a door and accept tickets to a knife show. Fantastic, good chance. If you like I said, have contacts in the industry, uh, media industry that can get us like airplay or airtime or whatever. Good chance if you're. You know, a great knife maker and really good at hand sanding, good on you, but you're probably not going to get a look in for membership. It's just a bit like that. Anthony Kittle, no one buys early tickets, mate. The early tickets don't win. Too bad, so sad. Move along. Late tickets are too, <laughs> late tickets aren't real good either when you miss out, though. No, yeah, no, that's it. 
Mert's looking a little bit distressed because he's understanding that tickets are selling really fast. I'm looking like people are saying like, oh, people, I bought this many tickets. I'm like, stop buying the fucking tickets. I need to buy a few before you guys buy it all. <laughs> I, I want that mill. Hey, if I win the mill, Mert, I'll, I'll send you a video of how cool it is. Uh, if I win the if I win the mill, I'll get an article in Blade Magazine telling everyone how good it is. Hey, you'll get an article oh, in Blade Magazine telling them how you used that mill <laughs> to, to machine make, a part for your barrel knives. <laughs> <laughs> I can oh, laugh about that dude. till the cows come home. There's no more. There's no yeah. more making fun of Corin's one-trick pony. It's all over. Yeah, you're on the wild baloney pony. Matt Snape says it's not actually a mill. What is it, Matt? Educate us. It's a milling machine. Or is it a mill drill? Or It's a milling or machine. Or as, as Henning says, mull. It's a mull. It's a mull. It's a mull for making booby knives. <laughs> yeah, booby knives. Booby, a booby knife with your mull. So 600 tickets have sold already. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's we were right. getting a little scared that we wouldn't sell out particularly fast but the punters know that we're we're trying to put together some pretty awesome kit yeah no that's there's some good stuff so matt i believe you're getting a bit you're getting a bit pedantic with your answers matt what's the first word in your answer right on screen now i'll tell the people that can't see it it is mill so when we say it's a mill it's a mill it's even better than a mill mill drill it's even be a mill drill but it's a mill. It's even better than it a is. mill because it's a mill that can drill. It's a mill that can drill and a drill that can mill. So, yeah, it's there's even an, better. There's another thrill. Be better than my old piece of shit, 1980 Chinese. No, nah, your old thing. piece of shit's cool. That, um, that goes well, your little yeah, mill. Yeah, just try and do anything anything hard with it. And it, yeah, no, it's all right for little. Well, little what are things. you doing? What are you doing hard with it when you make your barrel knife? Nothing. Nothing. He's no. not. He's just making barrel knives. Yeah, he doesn't I've, even use it for barrel knives. I bought a two-inch indexable face cutter for it and put it on it and ran it into a piece of steel. Ooh, that didn't work. Yeah. As Jay Cross says, it's more like a windmill. It's a windmill. <laughs> oh, here we go. Snapey's back at ya. All right, so... What are we doing tonight, guys? What do we got? What's happening on social media this this week? Who's been following it? I haven't. Oh, I've I've been kind of busy to try and follow too much on social media. It's been kind of funny. I've had a almost a social media drought, and I was just sitting down this evening having a bit of a look on, and I got a little bit overwhelmed by Instagram because there was too much fucking shit to look at. Really, I was watching. Uh, like I said, that's why I was reading your stuff about your woots, mate. And yeah, that's your how bored you were. On you. Is that what you're saying? Mm. You were so bored you were reading merch shit. Yeah, it's your fucking hard, man. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's why we're mates because we can be honest. We can be honest. All right, let's get going. Okay. So, so Dino. Dino, Dino's got a question there, as that's related to Mert's uh, ISO Insto. Matt water cooled the blade this week. Can you please explain? Yes, I can explain. I water quenched a blade. Water quenching is not recommended unless you have good temperature control. And I only do it on a semi. 
So basically, semi makes it a bit safer for a water crunch. But again, I don't recommend if you don't have a good temperature control. I knew my temperature was spot on and I didn't have hot and cold spots. And again, I went a little bit lower than what I will do if I was going with the oil. But again, if you are, if you do the water quench, expect that it's going to get slightly harder and expect that you're going to lose a lot more blaze during the hardening. I only do it if I really have to, if I have a shallow hardening steel, like if I do a W2 or something, I do water quench, but it's, I'm not doing for shits and giggles. I'm doing it because I really have to do it in those cases, if that makes yeah. sense. It does. You're not doing it to show off because why would you do it to show off when you probably run the risk of cracking a freaking blade and all the rest of it that goes along with it? Yeah. That's good to see, actually. And that survived okay? Yeah, survived okay. I, I already ground them and I already ground them and there's, there's nothing on the edge. It's hard as fuck. It's, what I do is once I quench him, I temper him and I, I expose a spot near the tip and near the heel so I can do my hardness tester. And the ones I done a water quench, they were like really high on the carbon, like 1.2 carbon or so. And it came hard as morning glory. Wow. Yeah. So what are you talking there though? How hard? Um, it came 64.5 and 60.65 on average. No. But again, I will not, if it was a mono steel, I will not keep it that hard. Yeah. Keeping semi allows semi gives it a bit more. Um, semi makes it okay in those hardness, but I wouldn't leave it in the mono steel in those hardness. Uh, go up, go back up to Bryn's question. Just one up from Dino's there. Uh, so when you look at uh, Bryn's asked, Bafu Bafu, who's Bryn, has asked any insight or tips on soldering guards. And then he's referred to the mill is his because he's just bought a second-hand HM30 like mine. He's bound to win now. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, listen, Bryn, if you want to do yourself a favour about tips or insights on soldering guards, go and have a look at RNN Blades, Robert Herbert. Go and have a look at RNN Blades on... Instagram and on Facebook, and you're gonna to have to scroll back a fair distance or do do some sort of search. But oh, it's a long time Rob ago Herb now. Yeah, Rob Herbert's been doing a lot of like he's done soldering of guards on his knives forever and a day, and he's done a few good videos on there. Or even send R and N blades. Uh, don't send him a message because the poor bugger's just fucking overloaded with people. Got sending bags under his eyes all the time. So go and have a look. R and N blades, Robert Herbert. Rob does some really good videos on how to do a really successful and clean guard solder on a, on a hidden tang blade. And I've got to say, I'd recommend, you know, it's worth, it's worth the effort to go and have a look. So RNN blades, Robert Herbert, he'll give you good things on soldering guards. Kev, do you need the oxy torch for it? Acid lane torch? No, you just need to have uh, uh, like the map gas, the LPG, this what you light your uh, vacuum with. I mean, your forge with. Quit um, you use that vacuum. <laughs> Quit bringing the fucking vacuum. 
I know it sucks. I know it sucks. <laughs> no, you just need the map torch to heat up the underneath of your guard area, and it doesn't have to get very hot. It's just going to get hot enough. If you're lose, if you're using low temp silver solder to do your soldering of your guards, you don't need a massive amount of heat because you don't want to run the risk of running that up the blade and screwing up your temper or, you know, running the color up your blade because you're soldering your guard on. It's going to be real hard to clean that sucker up afterwards. So it's all about low heat and control and, you know, approaching from the right angle or correct angle underneath it, that right amount of solder. And then the cleanup process, I'm pretty sure Rob, when he, on one of his that was really cool, just has a brush, soft, soft bristle, bristled brush. And, you know, when the solder's just set and it's still sort of got that little tiny bit of liquid to it, just brushing that off and cleaning it up. And it, like watching him do it, it's, it's, you know, I'll go as far as to say it's almost like it's almost masterful watching him do a solid guard. They're a dying breed. I don't do them. I don't do them. I just, I tight fit, not even hairline crack, and then uh, hammer fit on an epoxy. I don't do a, I don't do a solid guard. But, you know, if you want to get into that, it's worth, worth following Rob and seeing what he does. Cleanliness and heat Corey, control. Do you solder? Do you solder anything on your barrel knives? Yes, I do. As you know, yeah, I solder all my solder up all my ferrules, and I solder up uh, my um, I don't know the end cap on the liners. And um, my experience with soldering is cleanliness, heat control, good flux. Yep. Got to be got to be clean. The right solder for the job as well really helps as well. So don't use a super high temp solder uh, for soldering on a guard. Um, I use 45% silver, uh, but, um, that's, it's quite a high temperature melt and it's a very hard solder. It's very strong, which you don't need for a guard. Yeah. A guard doesn't need to be strong. It's a sealing joint joint. So I was going to say, you're basically trying to seal it. So no yeah. liquid gets back in under your tang. Yeah. Like Kev, I've never soldered a guard. I've never done it. I do. As you, you've seen my soldering, Kev, I'm fairly tight at soldering, but not at, I've just never done one. So, but I would be. Yeah, you're, like I said, your your barrel knives, like I said, it's one of like the challenges you've given us. You've given us that challenge when we've been up at your place to find the find the joint on some of your stuff, and it's mm. like, yeah, bullshit. You didn't even. You've just hammered a ferrule out of a piece of pipe. You haven't joined it, no, and then you've yeah. done it, and it's like, oh fuck, okay, that's clean. Yeah. We've got to give you credit for that, even if you're a one knife wonder. But, but you got to, yeah, <laughs> you got to have a tight. <laughs> you got to have a tight. Um, you gotta have a tight fit before you start. You gotta have the right flux. Um, you can't solder's not putty. It doesn't fill holes. You want it to no. flow into a tight joint through capillary action. So you want a tight joint to start with. And the method that you showed of how you use that jeweler saw to cut those for your ferrules. When I went and did a bit of silversmithing training at or classes at one of our local jewelers here to get a bit of a head around it was using the exact same method. So you're using the same processes that the silversmiths use to get that tight thing. That's right. Yeah. I actually, as, Jamie, as Jamie says, you're a soldering wizard. Yeah, I'll buy that. That's all right. <laughs> nickel, <laughs> nickel sheet. Does that, does that need to be cleaned up before using in forge welding? Now, the first thing is make sure you've got nickel sheet, nickel 201, not nickel silver. Yes, I made that mistake. 
It's a common. It's a common one. You're not. You're not Robertson Crusoe, Mert. They ring us up and the, go. The shit that sprays all like. Ah, oh, nickel. Oh, yeah. You think it's flux? You think it's borax? Yeah. You go. I didn't use borax, and it's spraying this hot molten shit yeah. around. My billet has diarrhea coming from sideways. Like... <laughs> so once you clear that up, once you clear that up, nickel nickel doesn't need to be cleaned up before stacking, and typically will come very very bright, and it doesn't oxidize readily either. So. It'll stay bright yeah. for a long time. Yeah. But if in doubt, if it is dirty, wash it in something like CLR, something like that, some sort of a solvent that's going to um, get all the uh, oxidization and fingerprints and oil and shuts stuff off it. Cleanliness isn't going to hurt, but yeah, no, it doesn't, doesn't need to be, um, doesn't need to be super special. Yeah. We, we also... sell both types at Gamaco. So just be, just be assured we get the phone call reasonably regularly regarding I stacked up some nickel silver sheet in my billet and sprayed everywhere. It, it does happen quite a lot. Yes, Mert? For a long for a long time I thought nickel was like a perfect barrier, not allowing carbon migrate through, but after some more through reading, apparently nickel only limits it, but it doesn't apparently completely stop the carbon migration. I did not know that. But I, I did know that I didn't know that it didn't stop it completely, that's for sure. I, for a long time, I thought it completely stopped, but apparently, it just it just delays it. Well, that's still good. Yeah, yeah still better than nothing. nothing. Still better than nothing. Puts a nice shiny, puts a nice shiny light on your steel too. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm told religiously and reliably by a lot of sources on the internet that you can't stick it, stack it for thickness. However, I know several people who've been doing it for years before they heard that. So. Mm. stacking it is something that I know people do who have been doing it that way for years and nobody has ever told them not to. And I'm like, I didn't think you could do that. They're like, no one told me. No one it told works. me it works. <laughs> I'm sure Steve Schwarzer said, hold my beer. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> hold my beer. Florida man said, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. I'll just break this powerlifting record and then get onto that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Steve Watchers. Yeah, good on you, Steve, mate. Well done. Yes. So, one of the things I saw on social media that was quite funny, Corin, relates back to our conversation or our show where we had the information about gas forges. Mm -hmm. And we had we had the, the discussion based off a forge that I was getting made. And you and I talked about it prior to the going to the air. And then the advice that came out from you being that expert of the gas industry was don't go with the small burners, go with the large burners because the large burners can be turned down. The small burners can't always be turned up. So it's funny to see a uh, bit of a funny negative response to, you know, the, the person that's making my forge posted up got a couple of custom forges big forges for specific purposes which was mine and they're going to use the gamico large burners and there was a little bit of negative feedback about that and it was interesting to see that you know you get advice from someone like yourself that's an expert and you go with that advice and then the uninformed jump in and start fucking tearing shreds off you and it's like it was nice to see a couple of comments from people that I've maybe listened to the show or maybe didn't, and they're like, 
a big burner can be turned down to be run like a small burner. Mm. <laughs> so it is. It's the truth. And, and and on that note, I just can't wait to get my double burner, big burner, longest forge because that thing's going to be a fucking ripper. Yeah, I'm going to melt steel. It's... I'm going to chuck a vacuum in there. See how long it takes to melt my vacuum. What, what diameter is it internally? Uh, I don't do know exactly yet. offhand because ha- I haven't got it yet. But it's going to be big enough to throw some decent billets of yeah, uh, Damascus yeah, right. in there. Yeah, as long as it's about yeah. 200, you'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, it's easy, that. Yeah. And you can get away yeah, with smaller okay. burners, but like like I said, and I, I stand by what I said, I'm not going to walk away. Yeah, man, I'll listen to you. you know. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Okay, so this is relates to this question's again from Dino, and it's relating to people who want to become members of the Australian Knife Makers Guild. And um, my advice before you even start making three knives to join, and you should join a guild, right? The guild's about to get a whole lot more relevant, so you should be thinking about it. Um, they're going to be running more events, and they're going to have somebody dedicated to coordinating their activities. So it it's going to change. Um, my advice would be before you even start, find your state rep, give them a call or go and see them and have a conversation about what are the most common mistakes they see on people's knives being submitted for judging and for assessment. Yes. And start there. Don't be, don't be that guy that comes with the same mistake that everybody else does. Ask them, what do you like? Oh, well, nobody ever sands the spine of the knife properly or nobody ever does this, that, or the other, and listen to them. And then when you make your knives, miss those mistakes. And they'll be very thankful. Hmm. Guarantee you, they'll be very thankful that you've listened to them, apply that advice, and then they can smooth over whatever that detail is at the time. Adam Fromholtz Um, even has a demonstration piece where he's made a knife with just about every conceivable mistake. So you can sort of... Hold that and see what not to do. You've seen that, haven't you? No, I haven't seen it in person. No. Nah, it's a, it's a bit of a river. Anyway. Yes, when I was when I was uh, the ACT New South Wales State Rep, I had the same thing. I saw the saw the knives come in with the same problems. Well, you know, one of the biggest things is people are too keen to finish a knife and get it in for assessment without putting an honest level of critiquing in themselves and and looking at you know real obvious things like small scratches guarantee if you can see them if you can see it and you go oh no one will notice that what an absolute load of shit you know anyone else that's got half a decent eye you're going to spot every single stinking mistake that you make on these things oh matt snape you're going to make i reckon you're going to make a clear example of that when you come down and do the course with me Monday, Tuesday, but your your son is going to make two of the best, cleanest, guild-worthy knives that we will see. But you just you just hang back in the background and make your shanks, and your son and I will really do a really good job on those knives. Don't worry about it, mate. I'll look after you. I'll really look after you. To be a fly on a wall during that course. To be a fly oh, I was going to say... How's his form paying out on the guy that's going to teach him how not to make those mistakes? Unbelievable. Hey, yeah. Before it happens, you'll have to show him how to get the best J hooks because that's what they're looking for, Matt. J hooks. 
Yep, I'll give you the best advice to get those Jay hooks. And then you're going to, you know, scratches on the back, 80 grit scratches diagonally on the back. Just go of back and spot. forth. Just go back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. Just go back and forth. Yep. There's a couple of guys that do that. Yeah, hit me up for advice how to do the best hand sanding. And you go, make sure you go diagonal, 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 and then straight. And then what do you do? You see them on their social media, hand sanding from 80 grit to 600 grit in the same direction and they wonder why their knives look shit because you're just polishing deep scratches not going to name names six hours to it took me six hours to hand sand this knife yeah you're doing it wrong mate Matthew. should you're take you about well shouldn't take too long at all really if you get into it yeah that's the, the other thing i think most the, the secret to hand sanding is just make little knives because it's real easy yeah <laughs> make small knives yeah. or get a disc sander and take out 80 percent of your scratches on the disc sander before you start hand sanding that was a bit of a game changer yeah 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 that's a good thing yeah so absolutely anyway that's cool yeah, yeah so what we talking about before you jumped in who knows someone loves ass coals oh i don't know we'll talk about some shit to do killed. with some shit so it's yeah, the president of the guilds changed. Um, did we talk about that? The new secretary. Yeah, let's talk about. It. No, we haven't done. Let's talk about well, it. Well, let's talk about that. So the guild has a new president, one Mrs. Terry Parker. Terry is a knife maker from um, Victoria, and she's been a member of the guild for a long time. She's been a past uh, serving treasurer and secretary, I believe. Stand corrected yep. if needs be. And uh, she's contributed a hell of a lot to the guild over the years, and she was um, uh, elected unopposed. So that was uh, that was really good. We had some. Yeah, nice. Uh, we had uh, what's his name? Let me think. Alistair Phillips, the folder maker from Canberra, put his hand up, volunteered to be vice president. So that was a really big thing, stepping up and um, wow, stepping up and becoming vice president. So Alistair Phillips, good on you, mate. He's currently looking at. Um, fixing up the uh, way that raffles are run in the guild. So he's got some, some chores on his hands already. Um, we've got uh, uh, the secretary is one, Mr. Jeremy Wheaton. Jeremy Wheaton is the man behind the woman behind the Perth Knife Show. <laughs> we all know Torelli's, we all know Norell's the brains of the outfit. Sorry, Jeremy. And um, uh, Jeremy's now the, the guild secretary and he's getting his teeth sunk into that. So he'll be the one we're contacting for membership. And uh, Ian Ronald, knife maker from a sh from New South Wales, is now the uh, the treasurer. So I've just handed over to him and signed over the uh, bank account to him. So he's all in charge of that now. So the guild's back up and going again. We've got three yeah, nice. three members of the guild are on the committee as regular committee members. One being myself. One being Bruce Barnett. And the last yep. one being one Mr. Sean McIntyre, Master oh, Smith. So mm. having some really good um, experience there with Sean is a, is a good thing. It, it, no, I'm not saying this in a, in a sort of too bad a way because I, I don't want to get condemned for being a voice that speaks about these things, but it lost its way. The Guild lost its way. For a long while, the Guild lost its way. There was you know, no real direction in what was going on. And one of the big pushes we've said for a long time, all of us on here and other people involved in it, is people need to get involved. People need to step up, vote, get into these positions, especially the vocal ones. Need to step up to the plate, be in a position for a little while, see the shit hit the fan, 
and how it's dealt with. But I couldn't attend the uh, AGM on the Zoom thing because I'd been teaching and I was, you know, at that stage, I've was, I was got to be honest with you, I was fucked. It was a late day, long day. But I was really happy to see the, the people step up to the plate. Alistair, obviously, I didn't realise he was on there. But yes, that's awesome. Ian, well done, guys. Uh, thanks for stepping up and making it something. And we want to see that change happen. The thing that you pointed out, Corin, is that the Guild is looking at getting someone actually in an employed role mm -hmm. to that... do the promotion of the show and to the promotion of the other bits and pieces in there. And that's one area where I think the Guild always struggled was getting that, that word out there about events, even like the Guild show. It's always been, you've got some of the cream of the crop of knife makers in Australia at the Guild show and not many people knew about what was happening with it. So hopefully that position can get filled, someone who's very enthusiastic and up for the challenge and we this ball rolling and get the Guild, you know, up, up to match other Guilds out there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, no, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, no, and it's they're, they're getting together, getting their task lists and stuff in order. I don't expect they'll hire before the end of the year, but we'll see how we go. They can no. hire any time. So, um, yeah, and then once they want to get the that, right person for the job, once they have that, they'll be running lots of guild-only events, and it won't be like a secret society thing. It's just the guild insurance doesn't cover non-guild members, so too bad. So, and we're looking at you... doing those. We're looking at doing those Australia-wide, obviously. Yeah, that's right. Matt Snape yeah, says, nice. is AKG associate member of the Guild worth anything? No, because it doesn't really do anything for you, mate. The best no. thing for you to grow as a knife maker is to make and submit three knives that'll get you up to probationary member and join the Guild as a full member and, and get yourself a progression in place. It's like, a, it's like any of these things, like the ABS or anything else. It's about bettering yourself. And, you know... There's some been some criticism of the way the guild assesses, and that's fair enough. It is basically basically based around fit and finish, um, but um, but like it's a starting point, and the guild is the sum of its members. So if you don't like something, hell, come and help us put together a proposal to change it, so we can make it better. So yeah, what you're just talking about there, Corin, in the criticism of how they assess their knives and stuff. They've got a standards document available now. Yes. That's what's getting followed by the state reps. And the reason that came into play was because it was up to the state rep of the particular area and, you know, their personal view of what was going on without any real guidance on what was and what wasn't acceptable. So it was a personal opinion thing. Now there's a written document of what's expected for you to pass for both a probationary and a full member, and that's available on the Guild's website or should be available on the Guild's website. And if you don't go and download that document, then potentially ring up the state rep, like you were saying, and ask, you know, what's common things that you spot on here and that I, you know, I'd like to avoid doing? How, how, what's my best way of getting through this first go? You've got the information there. You've got the access to the people that are going to look at it. If you don't go and get that information and talk to those people, uh, you know, the old ignorance isn't an excuse comes in. You've, you've only got yourself to blame if you're going to do that. So the methods now of judging it is fair across the board with regards to the requirements to meet the standard that was put into place. Yeah. And a lot of hard work went into that standard document. Uh, there was a lot of input and Sean McIntyre was one of the key 
people behind that and you've got a master smith laying the ground rules and it's not as if it's unachievable 50 percent through for the probationary i believe it is and then it, it's a lot harder to get in like 90 percent or whatever it is to get um a full membership and if you want to get a full membership of the guild to make make three knives that are 90 percent simple as that yeah yeah look it, it's it's worth it's worth it for sure i mean they, they don't just let anyone into the guild. That's true. They let, hmm. they try and limit it to people who can make knives. The good knives, for yeah. finish wise. And so, if you're a member of the guild, it actually means something. It's not a, it's not a participation award. It is, I succeeded in becoming a member of the guild. Here is my membership card to the guild. I made three good knives that were recognised as being really good. Now, Obviously, the hope is that you'll continue to make good knives, but you know that's the that's the thing. It does mean something, and we want to keep it meaning something. Yeah. Hey, look, if you want to go and have a look at um, what really is hard and challenging to get into a particular guild on the Knife Making Down Under Facebook page, there's the I forget his name offhand, but the young fella from South South Africa that's been posting up a lot of stuff recently posted up his five knives for assessment for the South African Knife Makers Guild. And they're on par with what you would expect someone to make to become a master smith over in America at the ABS. So that's to get into the South African Knife Makers Guild. Go have a look at that young fella's knives that he posted up. There's a picture of them, five knives. Absolutely superb. Like, oh my God, those things are insane. So if someone gets onto the Australian one and they're going, oh, this is a little bit unfair, it's not. It's not unfair at all. Work harder. Get up to it. That's the whole thing about the guild is to be the top tier of the people in that craft. That's so what a guild it's, is. It's like you were just saying, it's not a it's not a participation award. It's not a club. It's not a secret society. It's something that you get into after you've proven that you can get up to the standard that's required to enter that group. So, so was... Owen Owen's just posted up a question about the specific types of knives and etc. to submit. Go onto the standards document on the Guild website and it will tell you what's required mm. for you to submit. The probationary membership is less tough. It's a little bit relaxed. But then when you go into full membership, there is a set precedent of knives or things on knives that you have to show that level of skill in doing. Full, full tang, tapered tang, bolsters, that sort of stuff. Metal on metal, uh, you know, Clean plunge lines, no J hooks, things sanded, no gaps, no no leftover fucking scratches on on anything in your blade. Properly finished, full finished knife is what they're after. And if you if you make yeah. one and it's got a bit of a gap, and you can see it, and there's nothing you can do about it, don't be afraid to fuck it or off and make another one. Okay, get rid of it. Yeah, it's not worth it. Just make good it's, work. Yeah. Be proud of it. That's what if the it, guild's about. It's, it's about you, pushing. You know, you usually like work. when you when you make knives and you look at the knives and you look at the knife you made, then you have that question in your mind: uh, Is there a gap? If you have that doubt in your mind, and you can fool somebody else, but if you know, if you have that doubt in you, you know the answer. You cannot fool yourself. If you look, you know, at it, does does it look symmetrical? You know it. You know the fucking answer. Don't don't bullshit yourself. Don't try to yeah. fucking fool yourself. If you have that doubt in you, you know the answer. 
You know, an easy way to judge your own knives for scratches, for gaps and all that sort of stuff. Get out your modern phone, take a photo, and then enlarge the photo. Oh, don't do that. And look look at the guard, look at the gaps, look at your sanding. Because I tell you right now, you enlarge that photo and it's not going to lie to you. I guarantee you, you can, this is pre-filters on Instagram. Don't fucking come back with that bullshit. Take a photo, enlarge it on your phone and look at it and if you'll see you'll see what's wrong photos don't lie they'll they'll show you what's wrong with your knife sometimes you see filters on instagram the knife looks so shiny like the maker's mark is like gone like there's no maker's mark (laughs) i know the maker you got a fucking maker's mark you got to fucking punch that maker mark i know what you do oh yeah and it's been edited so much you can barely see the maker's mark it's been it's been edited the crap out of it. It looks shiny as fuck. The the background looking all wonky, like the all. Oh. Yeah. Uh Corey, um, get down to the last comment from Corey. Uh, not at this stage, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he will pass in the prison. <laughs> like the most. <laughs> hey, the basis of Corey's knife in the. Can I talk about that, like the four-hour challenge that went through? <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's it's the Sausage Man four-hour challenge went ahead last weekend and I was invited to participate in it. And I've, I, I have to admit, I'm not going to name names, but I've copped a fair bit of fucking shit from people that got butt hurt because I entered it. And was I that got sausage, sausage Man or Creative Man? Well, it was the Sausage Man. I thought it was the Creative Man 4-Hour Challenge, but it was the Sausage Man 4-Hour Challenge sponsored by Creative Man Beyond. Right. Anyway, so I got invited to participate. I spoke to to Bjorn and them and said, you know, look, if I'm going in it, I'm going in it full on. Like, I'm not going to fucking go in it to lose. I'm going in to fucking win. Balls deep. So I put everything that I've done, like eight years of everything, fuck-ups and good things and bad things and everything else. And I went in there with a plan and I had my plan written down. I had everything set up, pretty much ready to go. I was on, on par with it. And then I did the live feed. Actually, wasn't expecting to be the live feed, but I did the live feed with Jamie and sort of narrated my way through forging and making this knife. And yeah, man, it was, it was actually, I had the fucking butterflies in me when I was doing it. <clears throat> but it was a really cool challenge. And I was like, said to, to, um, Bjorn, when we started it out, well, I'm going to do the best I can possibly do, and I reckon I'm going to do a really kick-ass job here. And like I said, every skill and thing that I've developed over the years and that I teach in and all the rest of it was put into that. And a couple of good things came out of it was, you know, one, I, I won, but I only won marginally. Like the second place votes were like uh, like 14 or 16 or something behind me. Which is testament to the fellow that came, Mark Barrett, I think it was, that came second, and testament to his his ability, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was a funny thing to see. Like four hours, I was very confident I was going to finish a knife of a really high quality, potentially with time to spare, and I finished with like fucking two minutes to go to get my sharp edge on it in four hours. 
that was with a half an hour temper at 205 before I realized I wasn't getting a full hour temper in. <laughs> so I pulled it out, cleaned it up, did like three torch tempers in a row to mm. straw, quench, clean, straw temper, quench, clean, straw temper. <laughs> you know, but like I said, I was, and, and someone I think just said it before about it was a, something on there about the free tutorial from me. It was unexpected and Jamie was the other, he was the host and I sort of sniped him on the thing, brought my laptop up to the workshop and talked people through what I was doing at the time to get the results that I was doing. And, you know, some of it was machinery. Some of it was just practice. Most of it was practice. You know, you could do what I did without some of the machinery. It just takes a little bit longer and you get the, get the practice in. But it was a really cool experience and... There are a lot of good quality knives put in there. Some of them, I'll say this, like with Corey's, um, someone like Corey's knife, it, it had the bones, man. That thing was looked really, really good. And with a little bit of practice and a little bit more refinement, his knife making is just going to take big steps up. And those sorts of events, even like with those live feeds and those little challenges, I reckon they're pretty cool. And we probably should look at doing a few, maybe hosting something like that ourselves. Um, you know, something that's a bit of achievable, a bit different. And the thing that I really enjoyed about it, like I said, is that I got there and I just talked to the to the camera on my laptop as I went through and I showed up my knife going, yeah, here's my knife, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I got a lot of positive feedback from people just saying, thanks. I really appreciated the fact that you were talking about, uh, you know, what you did at this point in time and i did things out of sequence to what i would normally do because i didn't have the i knew i wouldn't have the time to finish stuff some stuff post heat treat so i did everything pre-heat treat ran the gauntlet on a whole host of things and you know unlike mert's bad luck with his vacuum um things just fell in favor with me you know i i, I got through really well so i was pretty happy with that Yes. So that was a good event. Sausage Man did well. Gave out some virtual sausage. He what does he send What's the dick pics to people? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> His cheesy Kransky was His put up Kransky. you know, up against the cam camera and uh I spoke yeah. to Bjorn about that. I said, mate, four hour challenge. I said I have enough trouble making one in four months, let alone four hours. So yeah, I didn't participate. I was very I I was actually not too confident, but I was really confident that I would get a good job done. But it was like five five minutes before the event kicked off and I was turning my laptop computer on. And I have not been that nervous in such a long time. Like my heart was racing, my mouth was dry, clammy hands, and I'm just like, it's just like man, this it's is just like, like two o'clock in the morning before the show, just making one last one. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Oh, just one last. I've just got to stitch one last sheet. Oh, there's a knife there. I could hand sand that. <laughs> it's exactly you know like that. He he hasn't you hasn't tagged me. He hasn't invited me. I, oh, I don't hours. think it was tagged. No, no, it wasn't tagged. It was through the beginner group on Facebook, and I just happened to see it and um, sent some questions about oh, it. So you and... jumped in on a beginner's comp and smashed them all. Oh, how good are you? 
how to do certain grinds and how to do this and that. Like, I've been I've been answering selectively for a real long time. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I answered so I answered so many fucking questions. So I'm going to start doing an hourly knife making Q and A sessions over Zoom. So that's gonna be my new gig next week. So if you have any knife co- questions about like certain things and how to grind certain thing or how to heat treat certain steel or how to do this and that, you know what? I I given these answers over and over, but I I'm just gonna do it over the Zoom, over the videos. I can display and I can show what to yep. do and I can make it worth for me versus just giving these information for free. Yeah. Well, I had, like I said, a lot of the feedback I got from some of, like I got a, I got a bit of shit from people, but I actually got a, I, I brushed that off. I was like, oh, whatever, I don't give a shit. But I got a lot of stuff from people saying thank you, which was, that was awesome. So I got a Look, lot of stuff from people saying thanks, I thank will, you for doing I, that. I will be happy. I will be happy with the basic thank you. But when I, when somebody comes up with the questions, I give them the answers, and the next week in a podcast or something. When you hear that, like they've been they've been given as like, oh, this is what yeah. I do. They're like, oh fucking dickhead, we had this conversation yesterday. Then yeah. it comes to a point like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not I'm not giving you and no my, fucking information. I said to a couple of guys like, because they were like, can you can you like put up some video tutorials of some of the stuff that you did? And it was the same thing. I said, look, my my thing was, you know, I could put this stuff up there. But I've got to be honest with you, I'm really, really busy. I don't have time to do the, the glorified yeah. editing, the fancy camera angles with me smiling and all that sort of bullshit. But I can definitely put my laptop down in front of my anvil and show you how to forge a point on there, a really effective and fast way, efficient methods of doing that sort of stuff. But I'm not going to have the time-lapsed hand sanding and the fucking you know, slow-mo jomo crap but i will put in five minute 10 minute videos like you were just saying or even zoom sessions when i have the time here's how to forge a point onto a blade and here's what i do with this next step i can Corey do it Cunningham, not... harmon 50 to 100 you missed that episode dreaming. yeah you missed that episode <laughs> yeah i gave all of that until we lost the fucking audio we lost the recording and that's now completely gone. Yeah, we've been there, done that. We're not doing it again. No. Yeah. That one was that one was, was a wild episode. Was it was it was it the sharpie or was it the nail polish? Which one was it, guys? It's a little bit of both. Differential commands. Oh. Differential etching. <laughs> <laughs> Should we have gone there? <laughs> oh. Uh, it sounded like yeah. a bloody grouse event. It sounded great. And then, and then, like Matt Pope's not here. I checked with Bjorn because the other added cheekiness that I did on the four-hour challenge knife is I actually went down and laser etched CM4HC for the four, Creative Man four-hour challenge, and I hit Bjorn up and said, you know, for the purpose of those people that were watching it and stuff, can I auction it off? No reserve on just on the beginner group. And see how it goes and it got to i think 300 bucks and i said i'll throw in a left-handed sheath and of course the fucking our our resident clowns 
here come the clowns. Matt Snape and Dino Hansacker jumped in for their bloody, you know, big shoot, red nosed five minutes of fame. And I threw in a sheath that I'd made, and Matt came in if he bid $301.01 or something, you know. You'd get a left-handed sheath and an extra T-shirt and stuff, and it's like, uh, yeah, no, don't, don't, don't push the uh, generosity too far. <laughs> oh, he's having a cry now because we've called him a red-nosed bigfoot clown. Right, Corin, is Corin going to go to the forge through fishing challenge on the kayak? Don't know anything about it, but yeah, I'd be keen. Yeah. Yeah, you need to look, you need to look at the Forge Through page. They're having their annual fishing day on, in December. Dino asked me, and I said I get revoltingly seasick even if I'm out on a kayak in a puddle. <laughs> so I'm probably not likely to go. I know it was the sausage man, you mofo. Suck it up, princess. <laughs> Jamie's getting all butthurt because I didn't etch in S M or H C. Yeah, you meant? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, the wrecking ball. Wrecking edition. ball. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, things can't be unseen. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Hey guys, uh, one second. I forgot who that was, but just before we logged on the podcast, we had a we had a post on our Facebook group in regards to etching. Someone made a Damascus knife. I forgot your name and yeah, that's red, red, looked. red Forge Five or whatever. Uh, red Forge Five was it? Uh, yes, he's uh, from the UK. I believe he's from the UK, isn't he? Yeah. No. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. yeah. I believe so. Yeah. He was going to send us some T-shirts. Still waiting yeah. on the post. Anyway, anyway, here the issue with etching, like he etched the blade and it looked like he had a lot of uh, horizontal scratches. So. Mm. I figured it'll be good to talk <clears throat> about etching and steps before etching any of your pattern welder steels or maybe any steels that have a hammer. You guys yes. want to cover that? Mm, fuck yeah, because you see a yeah, lot of people with those white line scratches that aren't scratches, but they look like scratches. Mm. You know those ones? What are they, Corey? Tell them. Well, isn't it something to do with the way that the pressure of the belt on the steel or something when you're grinding at high grits? I don't know. With the Hamons? Yeah. Yeah. No, the one, the one, the, yeah, with the Hamons, I know what you're talking about, but this one I was talking about was about the patent welder steel this guy done. And he said he etched it and it looked all good, but there were some horizontal scratches. And he was, he was talking about the reason. So I think it'll be good to talk about etching and general principles about etching and what to look for and what to avoid. Sounds great. So let's begin. Guys, why do we etch steels? So what is this? What am I what am I hearing? Is that my echo? What is that? Kev, are you watching Sorry. porn? What the fuck? <laughs> Put that down. Okay. Put that down. I'm sorry. Look, my hands are up here now. <laughs> I hate getting caught out in that live feed. It's really, really disappointing. <laughs> right, mate. We're watching. Anyway, guys. Yes. Acid etching has been done on the plates, on the blades, a lot longer than a lot of people can, can remember. 
So even in some of the medieval stuff, like medieval swords, you can see some acid etching. The reason we do acid etching is if you have a steel, if you have a different steels, and if you're trying to bring the contrast, or if you have a mono steel, and if you put a hamon onto it, and if you again trying to bring contrast, you do acid etching. So what? Matt hears his own voice on phone. Matt snap. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Anyway, just continue. So let's say you made a blade and a pattern welder steel, and you're trying to bring the contrast. So what are options? Nowadays, nowadays, a lot of the uh, lot of the makers are using something called as um, ferric chloride. And I believe you guys sell ferric chloride, Corey. Is that correct? Yeah, fucking. Yes, but it's hard to get at the moment. One of many things that are very hard to get in at the moment. So stay tuned. Okay, stay tuned. Mm. Okay, so you made your patent welder steel. You polish it up and the, your blade is pretty much done and you're trying to bring the contrast on your Damascus. So what you do is you clean your blade truly, making sure <clears throat> it's free of grease and all that. And usually you can do with like a, a metal-based or like a stone-based and then you wash with the soapy water. And once you know you got no residue of the soap, acid or whatsoever, then you dip your blade in the clean acid. So the reason I'm saying clean acid is very important because a lot of the times makers make the mistake of having an acid acid tank and they grind your they grind their blades and midway through the grinding they get excited, they dump they dunk the fucking blade in the acid. And while that blade is covered in a little bit of grease and oil, that grease creates a residue on top of your acid. Okay. You don't think of it as a big deal, but when you completely finish your blade, you wash it and you go through all these processes of cleaning it truly. And then you once you dunk that blade in your acid tank, and if there's any oil residue on top of your acid, your etch is going to come out shit. So the first thing of the acid etching is you have to make sure your blade is clean and also your acid is clean of all the oil as well. So you cannot have any any oils, any other crap on your acid. So you got to make sure, just check on top of your acid, making sure there's no film of oil. So if you're doing heat treating, if you're doing oil quenching, make sure the, the, the lid of your acid is covered. You don't want to be that oil to be evaporating or, or your WD-40 creating a film on top of your acid. You can do the same thing with your hamon. You you polish your blade. You got a beautiful hamon, and you dunk your you dunk your blade in the acid, and all of a sudden, either way, if you've done your cleaning well, you got a good hamon popping up, or if you've done a shit job in cleaning your blade, or if there's oil residue in your acid, all of a sudden it looks like your blade really looks dirty. And you have to pull out and you have to clean up and go through all the grits again to make sure your blade is clean again. So how do I stop my so fingerprint the, being on the blade after I etch? Say it again, Corn. How do I stop my fingerprint being on the blade after I etch? Don't touch don't, the blade with your fingers. Don't fucking touch with your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> again, guys, etching can be one of the most frustrating processes. I've I've gone in that fucking 
default and etching it over and over just to realize actually the problem wasn't the cleanliness of my blade the problem was i had fucking oil droplets on top of my acid so what i've done is every time before i etch my blades i pour hot water on top of my acid to making sure all if there's any oil it overspills and i got a clean surface i got clean acid in my in my acid tank and i'm not always doing with the water i'm always topping up with some like a thick concentrate of acid as well but you got to make sure your acid tank is clean no areas oil residue the second you insert your blade that oil is going to cling onto your blade and it's whatever the oil got stuck into it's not going to it's not going to etch well and one trick i learned from nick wheeler is he puts his blade in the acid after a few seconds he pulls out because you want to check your blade if there's any problem if there's anything going wrong you don't want to be leaving that for half an no. hour then realize you pull out and all of a sudden your blade looks like shit. so put it in for a few seconds pull out and see how it looks and if it looks good continue etching if there's a problem stop Ah, oh, fuck you, Corey. What are you laughing at? We just, <laughs> we just got a really good tip from Dave Winch. <laughs> Jamie says, awesome tip. Dave, 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 Dave Winch said, you need to vacuum the top of your acid. <laughs> I can't because my vacuum... I, my I, I think that's the joke. Your, right? dragon, <laughs> your dragon is not up to drinking acid. No, but you're right, Matt, because most people don't dip... You dip your knife in... You swizzle it for a couple of seconds and then you pull it Pulling out. And like I said, if you can see your shiny marks and stuff on there, you've got to get rid of that. Fix your acid up. Mm. It's the same as that. You, you've prepared your freaking steel. You've prepared your knife. You sanded out all your J hooks and your, your marks inside your Ricasso areas and your plunge lines. And then you go to acid etch it and you don't do the right thing with your acid. It's preparation, cleanliness, and getting it done. So I used to see that a lot, you know, with the teaching and stuff at the other joint where just using shit that was covered in shit, like dipping your acid, dipping your blade into acid that was coated in crap. What I can recommend way. is that I have my clean acid that I do my finished plates and I got a small, like a bucket. It's very diluted, but dirty acid. I use it for like Damascus etching, as in like... I cut my billet. I cut my billet in four or six or whatever. I want to see how my how am I going to stack my billet. I use my with the quotation marks dirty acid thing because I'm not trying to finish the blade. I'm just trying to see how my bars are going to line up. So for that yeah. one, I use my dirty acid. I'm looking up yet. Yeah, I I can line up the pattern. Looks good. Clean it up back. Go back in the thing, but. Anytime, like anytime you're grinding blades and you, you want to see how it looks, you don't want to be using clean etch, clean acid. For a real long time, for a real long time, I use actually vinegar until I fucking dropped the blade and made a hole in my ass, my tank, and fucking <laughs> vinegar is gone. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's funny because that shit happens. That shit happens more often than we admit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
you you hear people doing it, you're like, oh, you fucking dickhead, you hey, don't know how to drop it. Sim- you got to drop slow and. Here's a similar tip: if if you're going to do forge welding and you're going to use Caro as your precursor to you know build your little layer of carbon on there and stuff, don't skimp and buy the six dollar bucket metal bucket from Bunnings. I can tell you from my experience, those things aren't actually watertight. So I I poured like six liters of Caro into one of those buckets. I've dipped in my billets, chucked them in the thing, did a full day of forge welding, came back into my workshop the next day and nearly fucking died because of the smell. I'm like, holy shit, that Caro Are you talking about those... Are you talking was, about those like the buckets, like the galvanized yeah. buckets? <laughs> Bro, you, you gotta fucking do a seam underneath with the silicon. No, know. fuck no, no. I get those fucking. I, I get went paintings. in and there was a small lake. There was a small lake of caro in my workshop. I was just if like, if I spit in them, they'll fucking be a hole in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It's made out of like a point two and a five mil. They are, they are pretty dodgy. They are pretty dodgy. So now what I do is I, I, I haven't learned my lesson, though. I still use that bucket, but when I finish using the bucket, I pour it into an ice cream container and pour the ice cream container back into the original Caro container. That's the long-winded way of doing it as opposed to buying a proper sealed metal bucket. Yeah, I got paint tins. They're you great. sound like me. Or yeah, painting. Or um, I picked up uh, uh, aluminium cylinder from the back of your shop one day. I think I told you. <laughs> and I'm going to cut the top off that and make that my caro tank. The good thing about the paintings is they've got the seal on the top, so you, you know you can seal them down, clamp yeah. them down. Job done. What what color paint do you mix it with though? Uh, oh yeah, it's very important. You've got to use baby poo brown, Mission Brown. It's called Mission Brown. Mission brown. It's no longer called Mission Brown. It's called Hammersley Brown, and it costs extra. No way. We when we had our extension done on our house, because all the fucking windows are from the eighties, they're all Mission, mission brown. brown. And we said to the builder, "I oh, just match the Mission Brown," and he went, "Oh, that's." Hammersley Brown, yeah, of course and it's it a is. premium. It's a premium color. Yeah, of course it is. Fuck. And off. we're like, oh, you are kidding. Fuck off. And Jamie's just come up saying a twenty-five dollar ammunition box from Super Shit Auto probably do the trick. Look, there's a whole range. Just buy a good bucket, yeah, or a paint, a clean paint tin, something like that. And for know. those of you that it were was... waiting, oh, have you finished on etching? No, you haven't finished on etching. We haven't even started. Not really. Keep going, mate. We haven't started. It's... Oh. Time to finish, and you haven't even started. Get on with it. Wow, you guys fucking interrupted. Anyway, we... this, this. What? Did we, how did we interrupt? How did we interrupt? You just went on talking about kerosene. All of a sudden, you're and talking about kerosene, and I had a funny story. That's not our fault, anyway, Bert. Get on with it. Come on. Come we on don't have all night. Etching will reveal any kind of. <laughs> Fuck you, Corin. I didn't do any fucking thing. Anyway, so 
etching will reveal if there's any problem with your finish. So what I recommend is before etching my plate, I try to bring it up to at least 1,000 grit. I don't know what you guys do, but if I'm doing a semi, I'm bringing up to at least 1,000 grit. I see that middle finger corner. Thank you. you can have uh, that. that was that directed at Dino's question. Keep going. Okay. And if I'm do, if I'm trying to etch a hamon, I go even a lot higher grit, at least 1,500 grit. Less. Thanks, mate. So the... The knife that it was in question was finished to 600 grit. Yeah. And when the guy etched, you could see there was a little deep lines. So I don't know what the problem with that one in particular one, but it looked like a, if you're finishing in a lower grits and if you're etching, those valleys credit by with the rougher grits, it will, it will, it will make the etching, it will make the lines mm. appear a lot bigger than actually what they are. So what, again, the difference between finishing something to 600 and 1000 grit is two minutes. What it actually is. took the lo- what actually takes the longest time is your foundation sending, your foundation sending of whatever you start with, 180, 400, or 600, depending on how you start. Your foundation grit, your foundation hand sending is what takes the longest time. So finish your foundation hand sending and go up a bit more grits than you'll be comfortable with. Just go up at least 1,000 grit. Because, yeah. yes, while 600 grit might be might look enough, but if you're acid etching, if there's any problem with your hand sanding, 600 grit is going to magnify any kind of problem with your hand sanding. So, basically, just go higher grit. Anything yeah. you guys going to add? No, because I do thousand grit on mine as well the only and like thing... i said 600 600 to a thousand literally is the next step that i do and it does take two minutes aside hang on ken and... he's going to say something about the about the barrel barrel knife go ahead Kurt. oh yeah when you're etching a barrel knife what the, do you do the horizontal lines Mert, if you get those sanding lines the grinding lines that appear on yeah. a hamon and they're not scratches you do hamons on appear... your barrel knives but they appear like it. What's the best solution if you've got those lines coming out? Reheat, treat. Say it again, Gordon. If you're getting those fucking, now he's curious. If you're getting those horizontal lines that aren't scratches, but they're like the valleys of the heavy, uh, the coarse grit belts, the high pressure point lines that you get sometimes, how do you get them out? Uh I only got them in one of my blades recently, but depending on, so pretty much I don't get them as often. But if I'm getting them, I go back to I go back to sanding. I go back to like if there's any again. This, this does apply to hamon and any kind of hand sanded blades. <clears throat> if there's any issues with your hand sanding, if you're not happy, just quit. Quit like going on the hand sanding. Go back to disc grinder. Go back to grinder if you have to. If there's a if there's a decarb, if there's a those horizontal lines you're talking about, go back to grinder to get rid of them. Yeah. Yep. So I right. go course. I go to grinder if I have to. So I go to disc how grinder. How do I apply that to a barrel knife? Sorry, had to ask. Keep going. You don't. Oh. You don't. I, you don't. I want to see a hum on barrel knife. If you don't do a hum on barrel knife. 
you've not even made a barrel knife. I want to do a hammer and barrel knife in damage steel. How old might be? Oh, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> 52 100 damage steel. 52. <laughs> hey, so down down a little bit further, Dave Winch is pointing out a, a good point here regarding Will's question. It wasn't the rest of the blade. It was the fact that his E on his stamp appeared to have a little bit of a lines running off that, like into the steel. There was a clean spot on the steel, and it was like shadows from the E, which I would actually go back to and say, just pointing out that you, you went off on a tangent, but that E, which has the ghost marks on it, I'd go back and hand sand it and so do Let's another test it. edge. In the picture, in that question, in the initial question that Will put up about his blade, it was about his maker's mark where he put his stamp in. Yeah. And on yeah. his stamp, he has the E that looks like it's bled in three lines off the letter, capital letter E. And that, that would probably go back to everything you've said, which was appropriate to the topic that was spoken about but not appropriate to this until now that i've mentioned it go back and hand sand it back and have another go yeah that, that's and, it yeah and having a proper stencils makes such a big difference <clears throat> i think it does a stamp have hot, hot stamp. stamp okay yeah hot stamp. yeah look it was interesting nicholas mark or not Mm. Yeah, look, hot hot stamp is always risky because you have to be very precise with your dimensions prior to heat treatment. Because if you go thick before heat treatment, and if you if you put your maker's mark in, you gotta make sure it has to stay there after the heat treatment. Kev, you know it because you've been doing hot, you've been doing stamping your knives, and you've been doing yeah. a Picasso. But with the kitchen knives. You've been going to laser lately because yeah, I'm laser, I laser everything now. Any anything that's stamped in mine is old stock, like knives that have been in the workshop for a little while that I haven't finished. But I'm lasering but everything. If, but yeah, but even you realize with the kitchen knives, you you wouldn't know how the logo was going to be until the knife is completely finished. Unlike a hunter yeah. knives, like with the hunting knives, you can still, if you wanted to, you can still stamp your logo if you wanted to. Yeah, but on 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 the picture that was the will's question when you look at the e that's stamped in it has etched lines that continue on the right hand side of the e like it's it looks like ink runoff but it's actually mm. etched runoff and it's weird like i looked at it and i thought for mine and i think you gave the same answer was go back and hand sand or whatever you said or you know what etch or whatever but i'd go back and hand sand it back re-etch it and see if it happens I'd actually go back and go diagonally 320 again, 600, take it up to 1,000 and see if the same thing occurs. If the same thing occurs with that runoff look, like it was almost like the letter E travelled from the top point of the E across, middle point of the E across and bottom. If it happened again, I've got to admit, I wouldn't have a clue, but I think it's the hand sanding. Because the other side, the flip side that you looked at, did have the lines from the 600 grit hand sanding. So... Yeah, go back, hand sand it diagonally 320, then go straight 600, then go 1,000 grit over that 600, and then etch it again and see if it does the same thing. 
and you know it's worth a shot if if it's not got the handle on it, it's worth a shot yeah. i reckon anyway so owen ward is saying he experienced a stencil between some testing and dar advised a drop of ammonia and under stencil <clears throat> yeah look i had the, i had the same problem and i switched to i switched to vinyl uh, stencils from uh ben duncan wildfire gear and yeah i, I haven't had that bleeding problem are they single use single use they're like yeah. 40 to 40 cents to yeah, yeah. 70 cents or something like that but it's yeah. there's no bleeding through there's no etching going under the shit and you use it once it comes out crisp and nice you get rid of it you can use it twice if you really want but my yeah, maker's mark is not yeah. 40 suitable 40, 40, 40 cents 40 cents who cares 40 cents 70 cents something like that Fuck it it looks beautiful it's crisp use it once and once it's yeah. done throw it away there's no there's no shit leaking under and you're not doing hand sanding over and over and trying to send their fucking maker's mark yeah that's what i use yeah shout out to ben duncan wildfire gear yeah yeah good some good stuff so this guy's right with some leather too yeah this guy sct 15h underscore 07 is his name says that gamma go how long to process pickup orders and or if i know exactly what i need website says in stock can i walk in and ask and buy on the spot like to be very honest with you, mate. At the moment, we're eighty-five percent up on last year in artisan supply new number of orders sold. We're processing a lot of small orders, um, and I guess everybody in the in the um, hobby fields is at the moment. Uh, we're running anywhere up to up to a week, a week and a half behind on picking orders. So it's it's just chaos. We've got more people starting on Monday, and I'm looking for more. So if anyone needs any work, um, please get in touch. Um, and, uh, I would suggest it's probably just as good if the website says in stock to walk in, uh, there's no guarantees that it'll be in stock, but, um, otherwise just give Tim or Cole a call and just deal with them over the phone. And that's the quickest bet to get an order out yeah. is to just ask them over the phone. They can push orders to the top of the list if it's urgent for an urgent requirement. And for everybody as much as possible, we're just asking for patience because we are doing the very best we can under some pretty, um, uh, unforeseen circumstances yeah so there you go yeah so that's it keep that in mind but um yeah and grinders are running up to two months behind at the moment and you can blame it again the same thing with um just totally smashed on grinder orders one customer just bought six yeah, look, offers look court i was at your shop like two weeks ago and the day before i came in like over the weekend i placed an order in the morning i called tim i said tim I know you guys received an order. Can you see it? It's like, yeah, I see it. I'm like, mate, just, just don't ship it. I'm going to be there. So best thing you can do is just give a call. Talk to mm. people. If you need it urgent. And if you yeah, don't need it urgent, don't, please don't just assume. be patient. Just please be patient. Yeah, we're doing but everything. Don't assume. Yeah. And if you haven't been contacted and you think an undue time period's gone, don't hesitate to contact us just to make sure it hasn't slipped through the cracks. But yeah, we're running about, yeah, about a week and a half up to a week and a half behind, depending on the site order cycle. It's worse after the weekend. We sort of catch up by Friday. The weekend comes around, it goes back again. So, you yeah. know, I, yeah. I order stuff from Sydney, not from you guys, from a different, like a book company or something. I ordered two weeks ago, still haven't received it. I ordered the stuff from you guys on Friday, it's on Tuesday. So I'm, I'm happy. 
I'm yeah, not, but I'm not it doesn't it doesn't happen like that all the time. And I think there's a lot of companies like book companies the same where people are stuck at home. Anybody that's selling things to people who are stuck at home, like us for knife making and them for selling books, they're just it's it is busy at the moment. And it's not big orders. You're yeah, not, it is. It you're is. not selling. I'm not selling the eighty thousand dollar order of gas equipment or anything like that. That's not none of that's happening. It's just lots of small, uh, hundred two hundred dollar yeah. orders that are going out the door. So, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Food for thought. Um, scrolling back up. Uh, oh, have we finished on the etching one? Oh, here we go. Good day, Corin. Here we go. Don't want to be a shit, but I ordered a shop mate 48 a month ago and will be delivered to Perth, mate. Can't wait to start grinding stock. Mate, you'll need to talk to Tim and Cole to get it. As I said, with grinders, we're we're waiting on them to be made. We've got um, Ewan Gibson, who got burned out at Christmas time, uh, had his place, his property was all on fire, and he moved his workshop into town. He's got a bigger workshop now. He's installed a CNC machine in-house to bring more stuff under the roof. We're getting on top of grinder orders, but it's going to take some time. Keep in mind that yes. the current demand on grinders, both here and overseas, has been, it's just bedlam for him. Uh, he's not only meeting ours, but he's meeting pallet, pallet after pallet that are going to Alex Steele, who, by the way, we got we got shouted out on Facebook during the week, Gamaco, uh, as being a really bad company because we're selling a American company, American grinder, Alex Steele's grinder, as Australian. Can you believe it? Yeah. What? Yeah. We're selling yeah. Alex Steele's grinder as Australian made. Yeah. It happened. Dickhead. What the fuck was <laughs> Don't worry. All on top of it. Hashtag, there was something uh, else. There was hashtag, something else I saw. Hashtag Alex Steele call. So, yeah, 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 yeah something like that. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Mate, mate. <laughs> That person needs to turn the fucking grinder over and look for the Australian-made stamp. Here's, here's Cole Barrett. Cole says, happy to deal with customers over the county. He's one of my guys. He's a product manager, so speak to Cole. Always happy to help people. Tim's a legend, top service. Grinder, I'll yes, tell man. you, if you if you take a box of donuts up to Gamaco when you go to the counter and say these are for the boys out the back, you'll get better service, I'll tell you that. Mate, they're trying to do the best they can I've, for everyone. That's the tra- that's the case. I've I've never I've Matt, never Matt, done it, mind you, but <laughs> Kev, 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 be yeah. realistic. Don't be like this. It's fucking Auburn. Get a kebab. Don't oh, be fucking yeah. go, up Gra- get a, go up get to Granville. Go up to Granville yeah. and get a little su- sujuk pizza for them. Sujuk pizza or kebab. Don't be yeah. like this is an American movie. Like oh, there's donut and coffee. It's over and get the fuck out of here, mate. Yeah. A kebab and a can of Coke, bro. Dino's asked you this one. This, Dino's asked you this one 10 times, Mert. You haven't given him an answer. And he's getting upset. Can he's starting to say, my questions are not coming We've up on the on. screen. We've had him on. Can we possibly get Uncle in for an interview, please? Who's the uncle? Keith. Uncle Keith. Uncle Keith. We've had him on. We had, we had him before. We can have him back if you want. Well, Lucky Keith's we not got... like fucking Sausage Man and Henning, though. No, no, look, look. I mean, they're, they're just we... interlopers. Since we've gotten the PM, since we've gotten the PM recording, like recording every yeah. at night. Lucky Keith's in bed gotta... by like 5.30. He's old. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> he wants you to answer a question on fitting guards, but maybe we do a guard fitting episode next week. What do you reckon? Gives us something to do. Maybe we should look like a video. 
Maybe should like a video. Maybe our interview organizer person could organize, say, Rob Herbert to come and talk about soldering guards next week. What? What? Oh, I'll just it after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could do a guard episode next week. That's actually a big topic because there's lots of different ways to fit guards. What do you reckon, Kev? Or we can show how to do how to Instagram filters. Instagram <laughs> filters. Yeah, that's what Kev's doing now. He's putting an Instagram filter on a dick pic. Or either that or he's frozen. I think he might have actually frozen. No, he's gone. All right. Sorry. Sorry, Kev. That was uncalled for. Oh, um, he's back. Oh, you bastards. What did you just fucking say? I oh, was off. Nothing. Nothing. It was nothing. Mert. Nothing. I was looking I was looking for Mert porn on my phone and, and untethered it from it's the hotspot. You, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a moment to myself. <laughs> oh, Henning's come on. We can call Henning Uncle. Henning, Uncle we can Henning. call a whole lot of different things, but Uncle is not one of them. <laughs> You meant ugly bastard. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, uh, there's quite a lot here. Cunt's on his phone again. Yeah, that's pretty much it, mate. That's Cabbage is on his phone again. Uh, Cabbage is on the phone. Yeah, come on. Hammering so the there brass. You go. Jamie got one of my tips when he was having a, having a bit of a problem with his brass guard fitting on the four-hour challenge. I said, said to Jamie, the just face? go and give it a fucking hit with a hammer on the side. Smack it. Oh, yeah. No, no, like on the hit it yeah. on the side, close the gap down. But he didn't tell me initially. I didn't pick up that it was like a five mil gap because, okay, Jamie, let's get honest here, mate. How did you get a big gap in your guard, Jamie? Why did you get a big gap in your guard? Was it because when you were screwing around with the collet, you didn't tighten it up enough? And then, and then your bit was running all over the shop. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's what shits me with those collets is when you don't when you don't tighten them up enough, there's badness happens, particularly with the bit getting Who doesn't tighten them up enough? Out. Oh, I've done both. Me, Who I'm doesn't tighten them up enough except for you and Jamie? Well, I've only done it a few times. I don't do it anymore, obviously. You only have yeah. to fuck up a couple of times. <laughs> Three or four is normally enough. Well, and, a, and a couple more. That generally helps, yeah. Really, really sort of fit it in. All right. So next week we're going to do guard fitting. Is that right? We can talk about guard yeah, fitting, and we do can it. do guard fitting. Well, yeah. let's let's talk about that. Let's get someone in. That's good. We've got someone called a uh, potential guest, Loz Harrop. Why, well, Corin? Corin obviously reckons that you and I are no good at guard fitting, Matt. Well, let's get someone else in. Fuck it. I can fit a guard. Right. I've made guards. <laughs> Barrel. Barrel knives don't have guards. Scandy guards. Except they're not guards, they're bolsters because scandy knives don't have guards. But same diff. You've still got to still got to stick to You made a fucking knife all last year, Kev. <laughs> I made two knives. You made year. a one. You made two, two knives. Two. Yeah, and one of them got into Blade magazine. You made how many and how many got into Blade? Yeah, fuck off. Fuck off. Got a full page, mate. I've got a couple in Blade. Full page. Yeah, how many did you get in Blade Annual? Uh, one, but that was 2019. One? I didn't get in. Oh, 2019. Oh, yeah, I got in that one. Yeah, I only I got, got, only got, in, only got in two. I only got two in Yeah, I saw those. I they were pretty in, nice. I, What's yeah, that, Mert? 2019. 
2019, I was in the Chef Knives right up with the three pictures. Fuck you. I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna make a barrel. I'm gonna make a barrel steak knife and fucking take that. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. Enough of that. Where oh. are we at? So that would probably be a long. Very nice. That would probably be a long for, like, barrel pi- knife. Pigeon steak. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Fucking pigeon steak. <laughs> you need a big barrel knife for a steak. Look at this one. This is a good one. Mark Letchford says, how come it's so hard to get high carbon steel and tool steel in Perth? Every time I ask someone over here, they look at me like I've got two heads. Dude, I can tell you now, there's two things. The first thing is, that's the same all over Australia. That's why I brought it in in the first place. Now, you've got options and there's fucking heaps of it in Australia, normally under normal circumstances. You still can't get it in Perth, but at least it's in Australia. Uh, and the other thing is you may be able to get it in Perth very soon because there may be something in the works that might see us having a stockist there. So I'm just finishing a deal there. So stay tuned. That'll be cool. How about we do a barter? How about we do a barter? Hmm? We, do, we do raffle tickets for the exchange <laughs> of <a> carbon steel. <laughs> Ah, nice. <laughs> oh, man, the poor WA folks are copping up for Logan. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as internet. We cannot do internet. <laughs> yeah, so, Mark, I don't know how long you've been in the industry, but how it all started was um, I couldn't get some steel for myself, and I'm selfish fuck that I am. I contacted America, and they said there'd be you know a lot of postage. And I said, oh, well, I'll, I'll save on postage. I'll stick it in the back of a container. And then I said to him, can you do us a deal on the steel? And basically, um, that's how the first bulk buyer eventuated. I just put it up on Blade Australian Blade Forums. I got about 40 people. We got our orders together and we yep. brought in a ton of steel. And that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. That's how Artisan Supplies was born at a gas company, just so I could get some steel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got a sheet of 5200. Yeah, no, it worked well. And I thought, <laughs> I thought nobody, there's nobody ever going to want any steel in Australia ever again. A whole ton of steel for knives, but how wrong that was. How do you What's get into... What's your guesstimate offhand? How many, how many tonne do you reckon you've done just offhand? Shit tons. Too much to Shit count. Shit tons. Shit tons of tons. Shit tons. <laughs> Mate, we did three... Yeah. Yeah, oh, we did three ton of twelve C twenty seven in that bolt buy. Remember the twelve C twenty seven bolt buy? I put three tons through that. Yeah. Okay, this one's got a good question. How do you get in Blade Magazine? This is fucking easy to do. Actually, people make it sound really hard, but it's really easy. Get really fucking oh, for good. Fuck's sake. Get really fucking good photographs of your knives. That's all you have to do. Buy somebody like Jim Cooper, who will put it in front of the editor, and yes. that's what happens. He will make the better or have a really good relationship or have a really good relationship from people like Blade Gallery. Yeah. Have them submit photos of your knives on your behalf and then contact you and say, Oh yeah, by the way, two of the three photos of your knives we submitted are published in Blade magazine. And I'm like, What the fuck? (laughs) Matt Snape says you have to pay them. You have to pay them. And that's actually not true. You do have to you do have to pay for good photos and you need to get those photos in front of the editor and that's paying yeah. someone like Sharp by Coop. So yeah. yeah that's yeah. how that's how there you are do a couple that. of known there are a couple of known people that do a great job. Yeah. That will probably get more time in front of the editor to do that. 
Yeah, the thing with the, the shot by Coop or uh, the 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 Royer guy that was the, the oh, Caleb Caleb Royer Caleb Royer yeah. he's Caleb, doing a the thing job is too. like yes they do good pitchers but they have a, such a big reach yeah Sharp by Coop mm. has like a hundred thousand followers on Instagram plus whatever you post but it's only Sorry, only one goes, that you it's only three or four that matter and they're the publishers of the big yeah. magazines and they just scroll yeah. through those photos every week and see what's come up and that's yeah. That, that's easy for them. Cooper makes it easy. They don't have to go through the internet and then ask for high-res pictures. They go to Coop. What have we got? There's, he's got the high-res picture. He's got all the information about the knife. It's all presented in exactly the right format. Bang. Every knife that I've had yep. published has been from a photo by Coop. But, I mean, there's others that can do it as well, obviously. Look, Australian yeah, no knife photography. Is it the Australian knife photography? Is that what five Mike Mason's Mert? going on? You've had more, but I've had five, and that's not bad considering I've only made about that many in five years. You got to admit that's pretty yeah. good. It's not bad odds. Yeah, your ratio is fucking spot on. I made like a two hundred <laughs> fucking knives in the last two years, and I probably got like four or something. <laughs> best, best bet. But it is what it is. It so is when we're, is. when we're at um. When we're at the Big Sky Knife Show, I hung out with the Blade magazine owner. Oh, that's how you got in. I'm going to ring him. Tell him. No more barrel knives. <laughs> oh, yeah. rough. That's how you got in, like, sucky, sucky. Yeah, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Michael Macian Michael is also doing some yeah, really nice photography job. lately, too. Yeah. Michael's just down in uh, Victoria, and you can post your knives to Michael. He'll take some photos. No, you can't. Victoria, Victoria is fucking. Well, that's close. right. Sorry. Yeah. You have to stand at the Aubrey Wodonga border and throw them over, and if you're lucky, they'll get down to him. But you know, photos are the best thing to get. Good photos, the good thing to do with it. Stay tuned, Mark, because there's a fairly good chance there'll be stock of steel over there soon. Soon, but you know our freight rates aren't actually too bad. And if you get together with a few guys, um, it's pretty simple. Yeah. So yeah, Coop was here for the last knife <clears throat> Sydney knife show, Corey, and took photos for makers while here. These guys did an interview with him in a while back. Yeah, Shut no, he's, we did it very early on in the podcast. We did an interview with him. He's yeah. a great bloke too, and his fa yeah. lovely family. They were coming out and in they, August, but that's all that, gone. Yeah, that's it. They were going to come out yeah. to the Sydney Knife Show this year, but unfortunately, obviously, that's not going to happen, and it might not happen next year as well. We'll have to see what happens with oh. the world craziness. He unfollowed me, but I'm not going to hold it against him. So, it's what, okay. who's that? Coop. Coop unfollowed you. Did he? Yeah, he was like, oh. "Oh fuck, I don't need to follow this guy anymore." Fuck you, this oh. kitchen knife maker, little. Piece of shit. He didn't, he he didn't unfollow oh, me. Yeah. Did he unfollow you, Kev? No. Maybe it was something you said, Mert. <sighs> Maybe he's just seen enough kitchen knives to last Oof. him a lifetime. Yeah. Come on's on 52100 or so yeah. last year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been two hours, guys. I yeah. think we better call it night. It right. has been two hours. What a great two hours it's been, though. All right, so next yeah. week we're going to do guard we, fitting. We're going to get a good interview up. That'll be good. We'll work it out. Yeah, we'll see who we can get on. If we can't get anyone on that's good, you'll just have to put up with me and Mert again. <laughs> Thanks, man. We do all right with guard fitting. <laughs> <laughs>
again. It's better than talking better lives. It's better than talking oh, barrel knives. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. If we talk barrel knives, I'm going to jump in a barrel and go over the fucking Niagara Falls. Oh, yeah. That I was... think every time we talk about... We so I guess, listeners. I guess that... I guess the trip where Look you come... logging off. Look, we just lost 16 listeners because we said barrel knife. I guess the trip where well, you... I guess where the, the trip you're coming up to learn to make your barrel knives is off then, Kev. Shh. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> They're not barrel knives. They're <laughs> knives... That are encased in a tubular holding. What is? They're tubular knives. They're not called Sausage barrel knives. knives. Sausage, Sausage knives. Wrecking <laughs> 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 uh, ball. Wrecking ball. That's Coxie. all I can ever think of. Coxie, one of the greatest guys out there. Look at that. All right. Good night, everybody. Take guys. Take it. Good night, everyone. Thank you well, very much for coming on. Uh, Thanks for uh, listening. When you see this on the podcast platforms, like us, subscribe to us, give us a review, help us out a little bit, and we'll five try and star, keep... Five star, high five. Yeah, Jamie... Five star, five star. Jamie Bishop's in the uh, Barrel Knife Club. Check I'll that stop out. stop it. Anyway, guys... We're still live. I know we are. I can't help it. I'll, I'll hang up. Everyone, have a nice time. Be nice to each other, and I'll promise to get these episodes up soon. 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 Yeah. Now, Mert, soon. the lullaby you promised soon. in the week before and the week after. Are you ready to go? So I have to see you. What a fucking lullaby! What are you talking about? Oh, my my phone is dying. Oh, I, I'll, I'll see you guys next week. My phone is dying. You're fucking hype. Love you long time. Love you. <laughs> <Good night everyone. laughs> you fucking idiot. All right. Peace out. Love you. Goodbye, baby. You guys oh, are now up. he starts. You cockhead. <laughs> he knows when we're off here. Yeah. What did you oh, say, Mert? Rock oh, above what? Rock. Hey, Mert, Mert, that's a fucking nice drill press behind you. Yeah, look at that. Shout out. Yeah, look at that. Hey, look, look, look. Hang on, hang on. Look at this. Look at this. What does it say? Oh, metal cutting bands. Bandsaw. Motherfucker! Ooh. Hey, hey. Show us your fucking vacuum cleaner. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I put in a fucking recycle bag. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh. How much oh. was it? How much was it? You know that's covered by house insurance? It's called Fusion. It's in every policy, right? That that's covered by your house insurance, so you can get a new vacuum. But it's not worth it if it's like more than your excess, less than your excess. No, not worth the excess. So anyway, next week, can you get Rob? See if you can get Rob Herbert for us next week. I reckon that'd be a good guest. We've been talking about it for you a long guys. Time. You guys like Rob? You, I have no contact with him. I have no contact with him. Any anybody else, I can get him. But Robert Herbert, I got no contact with him. He doesn't talk to me. I don't follow him. We got no contact. Kev? I'll see what I can do. Kev's on it. I'll see what I can do. I'll try and get the last two episodes up over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've been on holidays. Don't don't let that... <laughs> Man, this is the coolest barbecue lighter you ever fucking saw. It burns straight through paper. I showed you that. Yeah, yeah. I got it at Dharma Steel, funnily enough. Oh, sh- oh shit. Finally, I-
I should have messaged you because I bought. I got a small order. I should have asked for a 1.2 millimeter drill to j- drill the fucking jets off my. Use a one mil, but I'll get you a 1.2. Use Remind a one me. mil. One mil's fine. My drill doesn't. Use a one mil and a. Use a one mil and a fucking shaky hand, and you'll get 1.2. Seriously. <laughs> See you, fuckers. Later. Bye.